Hi, everyone. Welcome back to week two of Love Effie, the podcast. Don't know if I'll do that every week, but we'll see. This is the second episode. Um, so I'm going to be recording these episodes uh, two or three at a time. So sometimes when I talk about things that are happening when I'm recording, when you guys get to listen to them, it'll be, you know, farther down in the future and things may have changed. And if things have changed drastically, I'll make a mention of that in the show notes. Um, and, you know, so sorry that I couldn't, you know, peer into the future and see what would change or not change. Um, this week's episode, uh, the first half I want it to be about a conversation that was happening on Twitter uh, amongst Black romance authors that I thought was really fascinating and that I wanted to sort of not necessarily expand upon because I'm not an author, I'm a reader, but to sort of give sort of my viewpoint coming from the reader end of it. Um... Tasha Harrison, or Tasha L. Harrison on Twitter, uh, was listening to the Indigo episode on the Faded Mates podcast, which if you haven't listened to the Faded Mates podcast, you should. It is a really great podcast. The first season, uh, the regular episodes focus on the, um, oh my god, Immortals After Dark series, and then the interstitial episodes uh, focus on everything else, or other things. Anyway, um, Sarah McLean and Jen Prokop, I feel like I messed up her last name, I'm so sorry, Jen, um, are the hosts, and they are awesome, and they, I love them. So if you haven't listened to Faded Mates, please go do so. And if, like me, you'd never read Immortals After Dark, don't worry. I'll get, you know, the first book or the second book and read and listen to the episodes. Um, and I think you'll really enjoy it. Anyway, in season two, obviously, they got through all of the Immortals After Dark books. They decided to uh, focus on books that blooded them. And I don't remember the exact definition of that but it was these were books that both of these women had read that had a huge impact on them and so in this case Sarah McLean um had focused on Indigo by Beverly Jenkins which was a book that she read when she was in high school and that had like basically opened doors that she didn't know were closed I actually read Indigo this year 2019 uh, this is actually going to be published in 2020. So last year, but you know, whatever. Um, because I have read some of Beverly Jenkins books, but I didn't, I hadn't read all of her, uh, back, her backlist, which I'm working through now. And so I got a chance to read Indigo. And if you've never read Indigo, you have to read it. It is, it is necessary for everyone who loves romance to read Indigo. And you're going to be like, Esther, why? Because Indigo is a book that I don't even know if I have the words to describe how incredible it is. How Beverly Jenkins gives us romance set in time periods where we assume that everything is terrible. And everything is terrible. And yet, within all of that, 
horror, all of that nightmare, all of that never-ending atrocity. People fall in love, right? Because that's we're human. We do that. And she writes beautifully and Hester who like my name is Esther right so people would sometimes make fun of me and be like Esther Hester or, you know it, it got really bad Esther Lester and worse Hester is an incredible heroine Hester is what I hope that like my ancestors were um it is an impeccable book it is a book I will going forward probably read once a year because it is that good. Um, and if you haven't read it, you need to read it. Um, and some of you might be like, Esther, I read it and I didn't like it. Okay, go back and read it again. And then read it again. And then read it again. Because I think that if you didn't like it because it made you uncomfortable, okay, sit in that. Sit in that feeling. Ask yourself why. Then read it again. Anyway, they were talking about this book. Tasha L. Harrison was listening and she had thoughts. And um, this then sparks a conversation that I was, I got to see because thanks to Twitter being like how it is, um, I responded to one of her comments and the people were responding to that and not untagging me. And thank God people did not untag me because I got to see some of the romance authors that I love that are black speaking about things that I think I thought about but hadn't necessarily vocalized like the conversation felt so important sorry guys I move my hands around a lot and I hit things and they make noise um and so one of the things one of the comments that as I read it my mind was like whoa this like you've articulated in words what I have felt but not haven't necessarily put words to uh comes from Jace Ellis uh her Twitter handle is the lawyer writes and it was she says we can't just be just get up and go to work and fall in love not like in white romance because when we do we get questioned about the quote quote in quotation marks point of the main characters being B-I-P-O-C, which is Black, Indigenous, Person of Color, or LGBTQ+. And we shouldn't have to do that. And that stuck out to me so much because I think that is one of the things that I have noticed in all of entertainment, that the stories that center around Black pain and Black suffering get the accolades, get the attention, get lauded as, oh, look at look at this story and stories that just focus on like you know people who are black just falling in love in an everyday situation it's like oh well whatever and it's like what what do you mean whatever what why can't we just fall in love without it having to necessarily also be tied into our quote-unquote struggle like we don't see, for example, in historicals, we don't see white heroes and heroines grappling with the fact that, you know, their parents or their family or themselves are colonialists, you know, wreaking havoc on the world. We don't see that because they get to just fall in love. And I mean, if 
if that's part of the backstory, I mean, it's part of the backstory, but it isn't the focus and they'll get the awards and the accolades and the attention and and all the hype without there being quote unquote a struggle. So the next sort of tweet that really sort of um, stuck out to me was as Beverly Jenkins, she joined in, and Tasha are having this conversation. Um, Tasha remarks about how people think every contemporary story about Black folks is urban. Welcome to the Terror Dome, Miss Bev. And I th- that also said so much to me because, yes, Black love, Black romance is immediately categorized as urban. Now, I grew up um, in Toronto, Canada. Um, and the population of black people, the majority of the black people in Canada, in Toronto, um, aren't necessarily descendants of slaves from, you know, Canadian slaves. They're descendants of people from, like, they're from the Caribbean or descendants of slaves from the Caribbean. So the dynamics there get, are, become different because they're like, well, I'm Jamaican or I'm Trini or I'm from a different island. And it's, it, then it becomes more of an immigration story as opposed to, and, I thought it was so interesting, though, that regardless of all of that, the when people see black romance, it's like, well, it's urban. Girl, it's set in a small town. How is it urban? Like, these people are ranching. Like, I'm sorry. Urban, to me, is about city life. And yet, for people who are not necessarily black, often they qualify anything as urban as black and i'm like okay but black people don't just live in urban centers which is like like urban is about urban centers within cities so why do we automatically assume that all things black must be urban and just go with it within the genre like and then of course it's like people go Everything's urban, meaning everything is about the ghetto. Again, you can live in an urban city and not live in a ghetto, but oh no, what? Uh, I had no idea. What? Uh, and so these conversations are happening, and I thought it was so fascinating to see these authors who I appreciate every single one of them for giving us so much. And when I say so much, I mean they went out there and put so much hard work into crafting stories that people who look like me can read and see themselves on the page. And as someone who has been reading romance since she was 11 or 12, I don't remember the exact year, um, I didn't grow up reading romance with people who looked like me. And part of that was because, you know, mainstream publishing did not allow those stories to flourish probably because the people in charge of acquiring books assumed that all black people's stories were urban and so we're like well we got one urban book for the year so why we need more and it's like okay girl but like we are we are not we're not all one the same we're not a monolith there is so much difference amongst black people both within urban centers within suburban areas and then rural areas. I mean, there are people in this world who grew up with goddamn cows and horses and like a cowboy. And then there are other people who are like, girl, I've seen a horse on a TV and that's it. We do not all have the same experience. And so if we are able or we are, not we are able, if 
traditional publishing is cool with giving us stories of white people falling in love in every possible scenario in a city, in a suburb, in a rural area, uh, rich, poor, middle class, people who have these kinds of professions, people who are in the military, doctors, nurses, and that's it. It isn't like I'm a doctor working in a war-torn zone. You can be, but you can also be a doctor literally working in a small town. Uh, what, like, why then don't we see that with just characters that aren't white across the board? That is a conversation that I know everyone let me rephrase that, that I know a lot of people that I follow on Twitter have been having. I think it's a conversation that needs to continue because we are in 2020 and we still see traditional publishing acting like stories of people of color, black people, indigenous people, queer people, They think, well, we've got three tokens to hit, you know, seven of those boxes. Like, we're good, right? And it's like, no, don't get me wrong. I have read so much romance that has, you know, white women with blonde hair, every shade, brunette hair, every shade, a few redheads because, uh, you know, uh, some gingers, some auburns, you know, the gamut. So if you're... And I'm fine with that. I And I've loved those books too. But I also want to read books about, you know, people who have all the shades of brown. You know, not just mahogany and chocolate and cafe au goddamn lait. Um, and so this conversation that was happening on Twitter seemed so important and so interesting. Because you have self-published authors talking and you have traditional published authors talking and the struggles that they're both facing in a market that I think could support all of these stories except you have people sort of trying to stop some of these stories from existing um look uh one of the people who also had another interesting tweet that really also stood out to me was Laquette writes and she wrote she tweeted, this topic has so many layers. In historical, it's really hard not to address struggle. But as a contemporary author, it's why I stay away from using identity as conflict. I want my characters to be loved because they're awesome, not because they struggled. And that also resonated so much with me. In the case of Beverly Jenkins, um, most of what I've read has been her historical. So for if and she's been writing about right after the end of the Civil War, during the Civil War, right before the Civil War. So yes, slavery has to be a theme in her books because it is literally what is happening to her characters in the time period that she is writing about, right? It would be odd and yet And as I'm saying this, I think to myself, wait, 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 we have books set in those time periods with white people and slavery is probably not touched upon. But but books about black people set in those time periods, slavery has to be touched upon. Like, why? Why is it that once you stop being white, your book has to touch upon a social or societal struggle to be deemed 
I don't know if it's to be deemed accurate, to be deemed true, like, because I'm pretty sure I've read books that are historicals set during the Civil War, after the Civil War, and do they necessarily touch on it? I don't know. I'd, now I'd have to go back and go through and da 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 And so I think it is... I understand that some people are like, I've never thought about this at all. And I think to myself, that is something that you uh, have been able to not think about because it, you don't ever have to think about that because like, you get to pick up a book that's set you know, right after the Civil War and doesn't ever touch upon Reconstruction in any way, shape, or form because everyone in the book is white. And so the assumption is that None of those white people, I guess, had anything to do with Reconstruction. Heard nothing of it. Did nothing about it. So, I guess my point, or not necessarily my point, but I think what this conversation sort of illuminated for me was that we should have books with marginalized characters that are just about those characters falling in love and not necessarily also the greater struggle that their marginalized community might necessarily be involved in. And that it shouldn't be like, well, this is a book about black people or whatever the Civil War. Uh, and it didn't touch on X and Y and Z. So I guess it's not that good. Well, why not? Like, does it have to? Does this, the, the conflict in the book need to be about each person, the person's identity? Or can it just be about these characters falling in love? And so you're probably like, so like, why exactly? Like, are you talking about this on your podcast? Here's the thing. I'm an Afro-Latina. I look black to everybody. Like, no one ever looks at me and is like, you're actually, that's not true. In all of my years, um, maybe three people have been like, you're a Latin American. Everyone else has just been like, you black. And so I walk in the world and am perceived as black first. Doesn't matter where I go. And so obviously I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm not actually black. I'm black. No, I'm black. It's Look at my skin. Look at my hair. Look at my features. I am a black woman. And as a black woman who loves romance, I want to see all of the stories. The stories of love triumphing in abject atrocity like i want to see love flourish in the worst of the situations but i also want to see black love flourish when two people like legit just like what are their worst problems they don't know like what to have a breakfast or should i be a doctor or should i be a lawyer i want to see love stories, romance with happily ever afters, or at least happily for now, um, with characters of color that don't have to have the conflict of, well, it's because I'm black that my life is terrible, or it's because I, I want more. I want to, I still want these books that showcase black romance throughout history with the historical aspect with all of the 
vast information that doesn't get taught in schools um, or anywhere. But I also just want like the same. I I want there to be equal footing for both stories, stories that really touch on the plight of the people and stories that don't that are still well written that are still about two characters trying to find a way to be together um no matter how that sort of happens and I think that that I'd heard similar comments in terms of like movies like we'll know that like we're getting closer and closer to sort of a kind of equality when like every black movie isn't perfect when there are good black movies mediocre black movies so so black movies excellent black movies and i want that for romance for romance with from black authors with black characters i want there to be like you know the cream of the crop and i want there to be like you know just under the cream of the crop and like mid-tier and like oh and then like I want there to be a range and it and for us to not just focus on romance that also has this like suffering and almost moral story, right? Like this romance matters because you non-black person get to see that black people fell in love while they were slaves and while they were you know at war and well okay cool yeah that's i want that but i also want you to be able to read books about black people who fell in love while like like living a normal life that had nothing to do with all of the things that people in marginalized communities have to navigate um and I do, I wonder, like, what what we'll see as we go forward in the next year. We're in a new decade. So what are we going to see in terms of romance novels um, in that are accepted uh, across the board in terms of, like, not just representation? Because it isn't just, like... I just want romance novels that have like characters of color. I mean, yes, but I want them to have authentic stories and I want to be able to see myself in these stories. And sometimes, you know, I want to also see how other black people who I don't know would would be living or have lived. And I think that this conversation on Twitter just really, really spoke to me. Because, like I said at the beginning, there were things that were articulated that I don't think I I had figured out how to say it. But as I read it, I was like, yes, yes, this is what I want to see more of. This is what I want to find out there. And is it that I'm not finding it because no one's writing it? Or is it that I'm not finding it because when people do try to write like that it sort of gets poo-pooed like oh but like you know is that believable well why wouldn't it be believable right we believe it for the dominant race so why can't we believe it for everybody else like why is it that like certain groups get to like just have like a basic love story and then others like well it needs to be a love story and an issue (laughs) thank you so much you don't have both uh please go back to the end of the line and try again like why 
And so um, I, I'm very interested in seeing what that, no, not what that, I'm very interested in seeing what this new decade is going to bring and which books are going to basically lead the way. And I, I do think that there is, that there are authors out there that are like, I'm writing about black people falling in love and no, I'm not going to make it about, you know, some sort of like horror backstory. They're just regular ass people who are black who fall in love. And I can't wait to read those books and talk about them on here and have you all be like, oh my God, is there again? And I'll be like, yeah, again, let's talk about it again. Because I think that this conversation is ongoing and there is literally no point where I'm like, oh, well, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we shouldn't have this conversation. No, we need to have this conversation. We need to keep having it. And I'm, I will say this again. I am so thankful for Tasha Harrison, Beverly Jenkins. Um, look, 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 I keep saying Laqueta because I'm Latino, but I'm literally this moment I'm realizing she's probably like, girl, that's not how you say my name at all. And so I apologize um, for saying your name in such a fashion. It's just my mind sees L-A-Q-U-E-T-T-A and I was like, Laqueta. And that's that's definitely wrong. I apologize. I, I do... episode uh we're going to talk about a book that came out new year's eve it's called every new year by katrina jackson and if you haven't read any katrina jackson you have to and you're gonna be like but do i yes you have to you don't have a choice esther is telling you to go read Books by Katrina Jackson. Katrina Jackson. My very first Katrina Jackson book uh, was Welcome to Seaport book. and But that's not what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about Every New Year. Every New Year came out December 31st, 2019. It came out on New Year's Eve. And it is a book about Candace. And Ezra. And how these two characters can't get their shit together until they do. And I stayed up until almost two in the morning reading it because it was so good. So... Ezra's a billionaire, or no, okay, he's not quite, he's almost a billionaire, and Candace is a flight attendant, uh, I don't think this is spoiling things, Ezra's white, Candace is black, anyway, they meet in college, and they keep having timing issues, but it's not just timing issues, it's also communication issues, these are two people that fall in love, and yet, are so 
afraid of rejection, like so afraid of rejection. They can't even fathom that the other person would be interested. And so because they're so afraid, they send next to zero signals and the cycle continues over and over and over again until it doesn't. And then, of course, because, you know, this is life, they end up on the same flight together. On a New Year's, right before New Year's Eve, I think it's about 15, if not more years after they've actually met. And one of the reasons I'm talking to you guys about this book, the way that Katrina wrote this book, So you get to see a bunch of different New Year's, but it's interspersed with current day episodes or present day episodes. Or, wow, episodes, chapters, hola. And it's, it's so well done. It is so well done. And it gives you insights. And you're just like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And the feelings... I mean, the feelings. I I definitely teared up. I definitely just felt like the emotions as I read this book. And I was like, oh, 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 wow. Oh, I see what she's doing. And I love it. Ezra is not your typical douchey, fratty, bro-y, almost billionaire. Um, he is so far from that. And I've read books where the hero is like really rich, almost billionaire nerd. And yet something about it hasn't rung true. Ezra is a nerd. And Ezra is, a, you know socially awkward and and that doesn't him falling in love being in love with Candace doesn't magically make him not socially awkward and I think that is something that I've noticed in other books and I'm like oh wow like they became like man smooth like once they fell in love um no he's still his sort of awkward self but the big difference is like he's in love and someone loves him for that not in spite of it, before it. Candace is so... I was going to say she's so lost. She's not lost. She thinks she's lost. And I thought that Katrina did a really great job in that Candace is that character that I think a lot of us can relate to in that you reach a certain age and you haven't hit, you know, all of the milestones you thought you were going to hit in your teens or your early 20s. And so you automatically assume that you're somehow a failure because you haven't hit X, Y, Z, A, B, C. And that's not necessarily true. But take being able to take a step back and understand that because you haven't hit, you know, this check, you know, you haven't marked off the boxes of whatever idea you had of what adulthood would be like. Understanding that that doesn't mean you failed. I think she did a brilliant job in getting that across. 
Because as I read Candace's character, there were a few moments where I was like, girl, if you don't, if you don't stop. But I got it because I understood that feeling of like, I had these ideas, I had these goals, I had these dreams, and none of them panned out. So I must be failing. And then people on the outside, specifically Ezra, are like, girl, what are you talking about? You had, this was your goal. What? This was your goal. It might not look to you like it was your goal, but it was. And just the fact that at no point was he like, oh yeah, like, maybe if you tried this. It was just like, he accepted her and loved her as she was. I mean, you know, there were moments where I was like, ooh, I think that you have her on a pedestal. You might want to rethink that. But it was just, I think it was so well done. She also introduces us to the characters for the next book, Miles and May. My, I don't know how to say her name. And I'm just kind of like, so when does the pre-order link for that go up? Because like, I need it. <laughs> like, I need it. I'm not kidding. I'm not joking. I'm not laughing. Ha ha. It's not a laughing matter. I need Miles and May's book. Um, and I think just like Candace and Ezra, it is gonna be incredible. Um, so this is this book, uh, every new year is the start of a new series. And listen, like I said, if you've never read her, you need to go get her, any of her books. You can start with every new year cause it's a brand new series. So you won't feel like, Oh no, like I'm, I'm behind. You can check out her, you know, Spies That Love You series. Just go get her books. She's on Amazon. She's on Goodreads. Um, I'm actually going to put in the show notes uh, her links to all of that. And you just, you need to read this book. That's all I have to say. You need to read this book. Um, And I just, I felt like I needed to talk about it because this book was so good. And I really wanted to be like, okay, like, let me talk about, like, some serious stuff. And then, like, let me recommend a book to you. Um, next week. I didn't do this in the first episode, but whatever. Next week's episode. I'm going to focus on probably one of my favorite authors of all time. And I'm going to focus on book one of one of her series. Next week's uh, podcast is going to be about Slave to Sensation by Nalini Singh. If you are a Nalini Singh fan, I want you to tune in. I want you to listen. And then I want you to like literally flood like my email and my Twitter with comments. Um, If you're not a Nalini Singh fan, go get Slave to Sensation and read it. Either before or after the podcast, I don't care. And if you you you're one of those people out there who doesn't like Nalini saying, I'm really sorry. The episode after that won't be Nalini saying because I'll be alternating. Um, in case you're wondering, I'm going to do every single book in the Side Changeling series, but I'm not going to do them back to back to back. I'm going to do like one week a Nalini saying then one week something else and and go like that back and forth so if you love her you can listen to every episode ever if you if 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 you don't i'm i'm so sorry and then you'll know i'll always like let you know the week 
before I'm going to do an Lenny Sing episode so that you can skip it. Although you don't have to, right? You can listen to it and hear my perspective and maybe my perspective will change your mind and make you want to reread the book or if you've never read it, read it. And then you can also um, join us, the Lenny Sing fans, and love the book as much as we love the book. Um, you're all probably like, oh my god, girl, if you don't stop talking about her. I mean, I can't. She's so good. So good. So, so good. So good. Oh, and like, she has three series out right now. The Side Changing series, the Guild Hunter series, and the Rock Hard series, which is a contemporary. Um, and so, yeah, I may talk let me rephrase that i will talk about her a lot i apologize i don't i don't apologize i'm very excited about this so yes next week slave to sensation um it is the beginning of a fascinating ride so join me next week in the meantime go out get you a katrina jackson i'm because you need it in your life because it literally will make everything so much better if she's on your tbr quickly go and you know get that book if you've one clicked it and it's sitting in your kindle or your kobo or your apple books or your google playbooks go read it if you've got one of those library apps i don't believe she's on there i'm so sorry she does have 99 cent books um so definitely check it out and like i said um a link to this book that i spoke about every new year will be in the show notes and i'm pretty i'm also gonna link uh her twitter and just you guys are going to love her and i mean and if you don't that's okay i'm so sorry that you can't marvel at her brilliance it's fine I will still be your friend. We can still, you know, have a great, a great time. So anyway, thank you everyone so much for tuning in. And I can't wait to have you guys listen to me ramble about Slave to Sensation next week. Okay, so I was just listening to, like, my voice, ew, and I realized two things. Uh, Katrina Jackson books aren't available at every platform. They're available on Amazon. Um, so the link to her Amazon page is in the show notes. And I am, have messed up Laquette's name twice now. It's L-A-Q-U-E-T-T-E, not T-T-A, um, and it could be Laquette, Laquette, I- I'm messing it up, so I'm going to stop saying it. But she is absolutely awesome. And uh, I'm so very sorry for not pronouncing your name correctly. And I apologize over and over and over again. But all I want you guys to know is that you need to get their books. Uh, You can find them out in the interwebs. And I can't wait to have you guys listen to me ramble on and on next week okay bye